Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Gramlick and Polly Kim. Okay. Hey. Hi, Polly. Hey, Kate. Welcome to the Book Squad podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Good to have you. I always feel like you're personally welcoming me. Welcome to you and to our listeners. But also to Mm -hmm. the listeners. All of everybody's welcome. But really, it's you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... What do we got today? Episode 28. Episode 28. Yep. We've got um, our usual format. Um, bookish news, two bookmen, two bookmen, and uh, <laughs> she said, she said. Okay. So. And we can't always be reading. Probably, but, but I that's only really thought about what I was going to say. <laughs> so we'll just pull that out of my mouth. Mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Starting out clean. Yeah. I know. Okay. I'm trying. All right. So you get to go first with Bookish News. All right. So Bookish News. Um, so this is exciting all over the world, but especially in Lawrence. Um, <laughs> so there is um, a writer and an editor who lives in Lawrence whose name is Bogie Takach. And um, they are uh, transgender and they emigrated from Hungary. Uh, about four years ago, um, and they recently um, won the Lambda Award for editing Transcendent 2. It's an anthology of 16 stories in um, speculative fiction, and uh, that's super exciting. We've got a Lambda yeah, Literary is. Award winner in Lawrence. So I was clapping a little bit. Hooray. Yay. They, uh, they and their family come into to the library all the time. They're huge library supporters. So it's really, really wonderful. Yeah. That That's got. great. Yeah. yeah. So people, check it out. I know. Winners. Um, so what they say about the, the genre is that many classic speculative themes allow us to explore things that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, a classic example would be that of shape-shifting, uh, would be that shape-shifting is a very typical trans theme and also a very typical fantasy theme. So kind of putting together like lived experiences with um, speculative themes, which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So way to go, Bogey. Way to go, Bogey. Whoop. Check it out. We got it on the shelves here. We do, and the cover is fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my bookish news is that the Library Reads list is out. Um, for what month? Oh, God. Oh, for September. September? Wait, is this yeah, right? September list? Yeah. Shoot. Why did I even ask and throw you off? <laughs> yes. Uh, it is a September okay, list. Okay, good. They're always no, library that things was are mostly, always rushing us right. forward. That was also mostly me just being like, "What? So what, what's month now? <laughs> what what month? So and why? I I although why se- although month. September leads to my favorite month, which is October, which is my favorite month, which is November. Mm-hmm. That's a good trio of months. Yeah, it is it's my favorite. And then let's just I'm an skip autumn. to spring. I'm an autumn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, library reads. If you don't know this, you can go to libraryreads.org or you'll see them here if you're perusing the library or Mm -hmm. maybe whatever library you're at. Hopefully Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have the library reads list up. It's the top 10 books published this month, which would be that these books would be published in September that librarians across the country love. So librarians, as you know, and I know, um, get access to advanced reader copies. And Mm so... We read a lot of advanced reader copies and vote on the ones that we love the best. Mm-hmm. And so those get um, oh, get put on this list. So librarians can help you find a great next book to read. So this, uh, in September, I can tell you, the, um, the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle is the top book for the next one. Uh, it's The blurb is, Imagine the movie Groundhog Day, except this time Aiden Bishop wakes up each day in a deteriorating manor house as a different person and must work out who he is and how he relates to everyone else at the party commemorating the long-ago death of a child. What? If he can't solve the murder that occurs at the party, he is doomed to re- to continue the loop every eight days. No. Mm-hmm. It's a riveting page-turner. It sounds like That's it. That's what it says. So sounds like Clue and uh, <laughs> I know right? Groundhog's Day mm-hmm. and that movie about amnesia. Memento. 
No, it's probably not one? like that. I don't know. I don't know that one. So anywho, anywho, that was the top pick, but we've got a bunch more like Josh and Hazel's Guide to Not Dating, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Lies by T.M. Morgan. Night in Silence by Seanan McGuire. Yay! Seanan McGuire. Daughter of a Daughter of a Queen by Sarah Bird. <laughs> Lake Success by Gary Steingart. The Dinner <gasps> List. He's by... got a new one out. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. man. He does. Um, the Dinner List by Rebecca Searle, which that has got a ton of buzz um, when I was at some conference or other. Uh, transcription, is Kate Atkinson has another one coming mm-hmm. out. When the Lights Go Out, Mary Kubica has another one coming out. Oh, boy. That one's going to be scary. Hitting the Books uh, by Jen McKinley is the last one. Sweet. So that's 10, 10 books that you should get on the what, for. What I like about Library Reads is uh, everything. But a thing I like about it is that a lot of times like the bestsellers and the, you know, like other hit lists are kind of um, the Grishams and the Pattersons and, right. and mm-hmm. you know, and the things that are they're already going to have. books, yes. but they're going to all, yeah, they're yeah. going to sell. And if you're looking for something, like, that's going to have a million holds on it because those are just very well hyped. And so these are ones that you could get um, on the holds list kind of earlier as soon as the list comes out and uh, have a book vetted Mm. for you. You are thinking. I am thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of thinking, let's go into overthinking. (laughs) A hobby of mine uh, when I can't be reading. So... Apparently, um, according to uh, Barnes and Noble, um, books related to anxiety are sales of books related to anxiety are soaring. The bookseller said, "Quote: We may be living in an anxious nation." <laughs> I just we just is, laughed because we're I know, like, because it's like, duh. <laughs> you know. In other news, yeah, water is wet. I know it's just so. Fu- oh, anyway, it's not mm-hmm. funny. It's it's you gotta laugh. You do gotta laugh, or else you just have a panic attack. <laughs> Which, uh, so it says, um, sales of books related to anxiety are up more than 25% through this past June from a year ago. Oh, gosh. Duh. I'm just going to say duh a bunch of times. I'm sorry, everybody. I just want to say I'm sorry, too, for everybody, which includes you and which includes me, who are struggling living with that. I know. I mean, but. Well, and that's what this says. The good news is that book buyers across the country are also looking for solutions to their stress. Mm -hmm. So they're reaching out and maybe it means that there's less of a stigma um, attached to anxiety. And, um, and, you know, I'm sure that um, having display lists and stuff like that at booksellers and at libraries Mm -hmm. can help with that. Maybe we should do a display on that next. Called I'm Anxious and So Are You Probably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right i hope that we actually nailed do call it, it that. <laughs> yeah so i will link to this article because it does have so like different <laughs> probably <laughs> it does have different um different sales stats and stuff throughout the country and uh and some numbers and some figures and some dollar signs and whatnots mm-hmm. which i'm not going to read to you here i'll just Thank link you. you there later yeah you're welcome linkity links <laughs> might make you anxious all right so that's cool. our library. That's our whatever it is. Bookish news. <laughs> that is bookish news. That's good bookish news. All right. <gasps> let's do some two book minimum. Two book minimum. And we'll try not to make it quite as maximum as our last two book We've minimum. We've been maxing out on the minimum. We have been. We have been. But uh, I'm well, going to get. Would you like to go first? As I, is your want. <laughs> I just jumped right in there. Go. Thanks for asking me so I don't look like a jerk. Consent's <laughs> culture here. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm actually going to talk about two romances today great romances all right and next month september i believe is read a romance month oh yeah mm-hmm. excellent so if you've not another display if, and i just got back i'm just in the mood i just got back from mm-hmm. um mid-continent public library did something called the romance genre con oh yeah um, i will put that in the yeah and yeah we should definitely link to that because it was their first annual one but they are going to do one next year and it was it just it was just lovely and wonderful and i'm sure next year will be even lovelier and wonderfuler what kind of turnout was there <laughs> it was it was really um it was friday night and most of saturday and it was really packed like cool. um and i again i think there will be even more but <clears throat> they just brought in all these big name authors and it was just it was great to be surrounded by folks who really love reading romance i mm-hmm. mean romance is the biggest selling genre in the country and it also is like the 
most denigrated Mm -hmm. genre Mm -hmm. so it's this weird mix of like it's what we want it's what we're reading right (laughs) i don't want to admit we want it yeah yeah um we're reading it um but i think also a lot of women are reading it Mm -hmm. and it's written by women and for women one of the authors said every time i write a book i feel like it's a rebellious an act of rebellion because i'm writing about things that I'm a woman writing in a woman's voice about things that women care about. And that is a rebellious mm-hmm. act in this, in this day oh. and age. So yeah. Anyhow, um, I believe I said something to the effect of like, heck yes. Heck yes. <laughs> I mean, there is so much amazing feminist mm-hmm. consent based, beautiful, wonderful romance going on out there. What, and what did you post about the nevertheless, Oh, yeah. There I have seen, I think it's like in four recent romances that I have read, the phrase or some variation of the phrase, nevertheless, she persisted, (laughs) has come up in those books and just woven in. um, And I just... Soups cash. Yep. Soups cash. Like, but you're just like, thank you, Mm -hmm. author. Like, like you know, you just felt like the author just winked at you and Mm -hmm. you just were like, thank you. Um, and I think that that's an unexpected uh, thing from people who don't read romance. Yeah, I think it is because I think there's a lot of folks who think, and you know, as in every genre, mm-hmm. there are some yeah. books that are not as woke as others uh-huh. or whatever. They don't meet your particular needs. Right. Um, like anything. Right. Like anything. But I, um, and I, you know, I have some tolerance. I'll, I won't, I'll read. I'll, I'll read books of any genre that are, if it's a fun story, it doesn't have to be the, the most well-written story. Especially ever if it's the... not written by a dude. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I know. So, uh, that was I, Kate. <laughs> that was Kate. However, um, I, <clears throat> there's a, there's a, ton, that's the other thing. There's a ton of really well-written romance which mm-hmm. people don't right seem to know or think is true so anyway there was it was a great talk i didn't mean to talk that long about romance genre con perhaps we are going to max this out but the two <laughs> books i wanted to talk about were josh and hazel's guide to not dating by christina lauren mm-hmm. who is a romance author that i love i did not read i used to read just mostly historicals and christina lauren got me reading contemporaries mm-hmm. because they it's actually Oh, right. It's actually it's a, a duo writing oh, together. Um, they usually write, they do write um, all contemporary. So mm-hmm. anyways, Josh and Hazel's Guide to Dating. This book is so good. I read it as an arc a few months ago. It is a winner and I have been so excited that it's coming out next month so I can finally tell you guys about it Yay. because it's in the catalog. Um, so Hazel lives out loud literally. She is like... Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh, okay. you know, imagine. I know people. Like imagine, that. yes. Imagine you're. I do know people like that. Just, just like not, a, not much of a filter. Balls just, out, if you will. Just, yep. Soccer balls. Maybe something like that. Balls. Um. Anyway, she's just. She just does as she. She just is who she is, and she really, really. Um, has given up on finding someone who likes her just as she is because she's a lot. <laughs> And, but she's not willing to take less. So I really like that. It She was not about to change herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so she settled on living uh, with her many pets. Good. And um, I'm for it. And that's it. So she runs into Josh. The end. Heavily <laughs> ever after. <laughs> the you end. have a dog. That's all you need. <laughs> You're ruining my romance here. Sorry. So um, so she runs into Josh, who is buttoned up, and mm-hmm. um, they knew each other 10 years ago in college. She threw up on his shoes. <laughs> that was pretty much the end of their friendship at that point. <laughs> um, and so, but he's real buttoned up. He's got a great job. He's in a long-distance relationship. He thinks that the rest of his life is kind of on lock, and he's cruising mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And then circumstances throw them together, as happens in romance. Mm-hmm. And life. And life. And they become friends, and they think maybe they can help each other out from these circumstances that mm-hmm. have arisen um, with their unlikely friendship. Um, and but they're definitely not dating. Uh huh. Okay. But they might right. be. They might be. You know, tumbling around every so often. Do you get when Harry met Sally vibes from it? 
Yes. Okay, cool. Because it's like one of the best so movies So it's, yes. Okay, cool. You should read it. Cool. Um, so that's a great one. And then a related book. This These books are um, uh, being sort of touted as read-alikes for each other. The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Mm-hmm. That's gotten have, a lot of buzz. Yes. And it's, uh, if you want to read it, you should get on hold for it because it's got a holds mm-hmm. list on it. So Stella is a millionaire. Never says she's a millionaire, but I, you are. She is. Um, you are. Who crunches, are <laughs> who crunches, she lives in Palo Alto oh, and she crunches, she crunches data for a living. And Michael is an escort with a heart of gold. What? Trope flip. Yeah. Yep. I'm here for it. So, um, Add to it that Stella has Asperger's and Michael is a Vietnamese American and you've got a completely sweet, totally sexy. It's definitely sexier than it seems given the cover. Mm -hmm. Just want to give everybody a little heads up on that. Mm -hmm. If you like spice. Yep. Um, So, um, but it's an absolutely, to me, like a genre busting Mm -hmm. read. It just flips everything. Yeah, sounds great. On its head, and it's sweet and funny, and you love them. I love that both of the heroes are Asian American. So um, Josh is Korean American, uh, Michael's Vietnamese American, and their culture and their families are just a really wonderful That's part awesome. of each book. Um, so I'm going to throw in a couple of the reader likes real fast, um, especially for the Kiss Quotient. So the Rosie Project by Graham Simpson, which I think a lot of people do know about that one. Mm-hmm. One Girl Good Earl Deserves a Lover by Sarah McLean, which is a great romance about, um, I don't, you know, I don't know that they specifically say that the heroine is on the spectrum and, um, but seems like maybe she is. A Week to be Wicked, same thing by Tessa, mm-hmm. by Tessa Dare and When a Scott Ties the Knot, also by Tessa Dare. Um, those, both of those maybe seem to be neurodivergent mm-hmm. heroines, even though it maybe it's not explicitly said because they're historicals. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Like them, like them, love them. Those are actually some of my very favorite, like those three are some of my very favorite I know. romances that I've read. So, um, those will be in the show notes. Good. Yes, they sure will. All right. Um, all right. So I've got different things. <laughs> on a different um, on a different minor note. kind of destruction. <laughs> balance so, balance which one in I everything. Read first? Which one I want to read first. Um actually I'm gonna flip my order here. So uh, first of all is tr- oh, oh yeah. These are ones I haven't read yet. Um, okay. this is a two book minimum on my two read list. Okay. Uh, so Trail cool. of Lightning by Rebecca Rowanhorse. Um it is a new urban fantasy series, uh, and um, so the description on the on the inside cover is helpful. But I also kind of like the way uh, that this Verge article described it. So it says, "Climate change has wrecked North America, creating a sea that covers most of the heartland. The resulting chaos killed millions of people and threw civilization in a, into energy wars, leaving behind a broken world rife with crime and poverty." So super cheerful <laughs> um uh so the book follows maggie hosky um a native american woman living in Dineta, the traditional homeland of the navajo tribe which was a thing that i've had to look up since um and then it's been isolated from uh the rest of the chaotic world and so it's like this um this navajo tribe is living kind of untouched from the rest oh. of the the awfulness because of magic walls um oh. And it's, like, roughly around, like, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it has experienced a full-blown resurgence of magical powers, which is great um, because you get ancient gods walking around, but then also uh, a bunch of mo- monsters, which not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are some people who can, like, manifest special abilities uh, to kill the monsters, and Maggie is one of those monster killers, and so Ooh, it's yeah. I'm just kind of I know. So p- like one of the blurbs, and I didn't write it down. Said something like, um, "It was kind of like a post-apocalyptic world where um, like indigenous peoples uh, kind of take back the earth, which sounds mm-hmm. awesome. I so like. yeah." And um, I never have you read it, um, Leslie Marmon Silco. I haven't. Her I know ceremony that you. Or... I think didn't you mention? Yes, she's been on my list. You've for mentioned. A while. You've mentioned yeah. her before. Um, Almanac of the Dead was actually something I was just talking to someone about over this weekend, and it's a long, long novel um, written in the '90s, and it's kind of 
retelling history, but from the native perspective, uh, or the, the point of view of the conquered, it says. Um, so it's, I've heard it's really, really, really brutal, but also a really good experience and um, kind of a way of flipping the narrator um, and having stories told by people you know, oh. who are not in the power position. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like the two of those might be an interesting pairing. One, I mean, both both intense. One more depressing intense and one more like action magic fighting intense. I'd like to start, I would, I'd like to have a class where I start the class with Howard Zinn. Mm-hmm. The yeah, the history, history of the United States, and then have them read all novels. Yes, from that perspective. Sold, done. Okay, here you go. Here's Ready. a PhD. Uh, <laughs> the next book. Where's my? Oh, my notes are out of order here. Hello, ladies. Um, okay, so this Wait, one. You just don't do this out of your brain. Uh, I'm shocked. My notes in my head. I mean, the filing cabinet in my <laughs> head. The, the pieces of paper I'm shuffling around inside my head. Uh, so this next one is it's nonfiction. Hell's Princess: The Mystery of Belle Gunness. Yes, Butcher of Men <laughs> by Harold Schechter, um, which is actually a pseudonym, I think. Uh, so in the pantheon of serial killers, Belle Gunness stands alone. She was the rarest of female psychopaths, a woman who engaged in wholesale slaughter, partly out of greed, but mostly for the sheer joy of it. <laughs> Between, 19, the giggles. Between 1902 and 1908, she lured a succession of unsuccess un suspecting victims to her Indiana, quote, murder farm. <laughs> mm. Some were hired hands, others were well-to-do bachelors. All of them vanished without a trace. When their bodies were dug up, they hadn't been merely poisoned like victims of other serial or female killers. They'd been butchered. Ooh. First of all, hashtag life goals. <laughs> murder farm. <laughs> a murder farm. <laughs> I don't know if, like, so my, my patterns with reading nonfiction are that I'll read a lot of it, and then I think this could have been a really good article. And then I quit. That's mm. my brain just doesn't. <laughs> so I don't know if I will get to read this whole thing, but uh, it sounds fascinating. You seem oh, so excited about it. I know. It. I get the so giggles. I it's so don't arrest me. I'm might. not actually going to murder anybody. She's not. But I will live vicariously. Uh, she's not because she's not going to want to clean up that mess. No, I really. I guarantee you. No, thank you. Um, guarantee it. No, I'm pretty lazy. Uh, okay. But yeah, so that's. I think Kimberly's gonna really like yeah, that I because she really likes serial killer stuff and and yeah she's she's twisted. Okay. So those are our a two book minimums. She said. She said. And then she said. Yes. I'm ready to talk about this book because I read it on your recommendation. I know. Thank you. Which is a lot of pressure. You're welcome. Um, so this book is called Mem by Bethany C. Morrow. Uh, I kind of wish it was tomorrow, Bethany tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> but it's actually be yesterday because uh, oh, this yeah. is sort of set in the past. Yeah, no, I know. Sense. Here, are you gonna? Do you want to? Do you want to read the thing? Here, or do you want to just? Do you want to? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. You do. In a world. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, uh, they should pay me. Uh, <laughs> Set in the glittering art deco world of a century ago, so in like the 1920s, Mem makes one slight alteration to history. A scientist in Montreal discovers a method allowing people to have their memories extracted from their minds whole and complete. The Mems, as they're called, exist as mirror images of their source. They're zombie-like creatures destined to experience that singular memory over and over until they expire in the cavernous vault where they are kept. And then... There is Dolores Extract Number 1, the first mem capable of creating her own memories. An ageless beauty surrounded in mystery, she is allowed to live on her own and create her own existence until one day she is summoned back to the vault. Okay. So I want to first of all just say thank you for reading this solely just on the fact that I posted on Instagram a picture of the cover and then a... A blurb from the back of it, which we can read later. Mm -hmm. um, you sold it, though. I am so glad. I think I was just like, this is wonderful. I mean, that's like, your okay. job. Yeah. So good. I know. So glad you're good at it. I did it. a good job. <laughs> Thanks, boss. Uh, but I'm excited because have we done a sci-fi book before? We did fantasy. We did Uprooted. Is Book of the Unnamed Oh, wife? it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's so just this blew is our it. So the second, second yeah. sci-fi, but a different. Yeah. Not post-apoc. Mm-mm. Elliptic. It's, I don't know. Yeah. So it's like, pre it's weird. Uh, let me tell you, okay. I did not read the jacket. Oh, good. I just dove in. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know oh. it was set during oh, the 20s yeah. until 
like, you know, there's little like things. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she says 1906. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But before that happens, you kind of don't know where you are. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, well, what's happening? And then, um, and then I does thought that was, I, I kind of liked that. So sorry, everybody. We just told you Oopsies. that it was set in the 20s. I mean, it's on the, it's on the back. It's on the <laughs> cover. We're not spoiling it. But that added a little extra uh-huh. thing for me, I think, to just be like, what? You know, I, and you were okay with, un, with not knowing. Is that the, what that you're supposed to do? I don't. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I don't know what to do with well, not knowing. And even though, but even like knowing that it's set there, I, we didn't live in the no. early 1900s, obviously. Um, not that I remember. Right. We look so, real good if we did, but um, <laughs> so, so like it is still a bizarro yeah. world. And set in, set in Montreal, mm-hmm. which I Yeah, I'm forgetting that part. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, well, okay. Like in my mind, it was New York. That's me too. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. In fact, it still is. Yeah, in my mind, New York. Well, so it's not. I like to. That's why because well, they kept talking about Canada, and I was like, "Why do you guys keep mentioning Canada? <laughs> well, you're in New York." Um, and it said like there were little things where um, I mean, well, because he was they obviously he spoke French. The professor spoke I know a lot French, of and, speak like, French though. and you know his wife's name was like was her name like Colette or Canada or something? Isn't yeah, something like that. And you don't they don't they play Jean Diet instead of. I know. The, Why didn't I put Simon any of this says, Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't put that together. Um, God. And so I was like, okay. So like this, this is pretty Canadian. Frank, Franco, Francophiles. Yeah. Francophones. Could have been in Paris. Could have been, but, but it, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't even think Montreal is the salient point here. But we really just talked about it for about two minutes. Well, because I, I mean, how often? Man, I, I don't read a whole lot of Canadian authors. No, Miriam Taves. Is my main. Yeah. And she's actually not, Bethany Morrow is not Canadian, but lived there for six okay. years. As like a um, formative experience. Right. Right. So po- possibly went to graduate school there or something mm-hmm. like that. So, anywho's, I read this, I read this book in a few hours. Yeah. It's 182 pages. And I liked that I could read it all in one sitting because it kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't, and I had to. I had to go up back and actually. I had to go back and actually kind of reread little bits and pieces of it. Um, so it took me longer than it would have. Yeah. Because I was like, wait, did I just read that correctly? Right. Was that just. Did I understand what just happened right mm-hmm. there? I think I had to do that too. I was a little smart. Um, I okay so. I really love I really loved this because it's um, it's speculative, but it's also it's to me very character study ish. Mm. Mm-hmm. So instead of being, su- I mean, there is a plot obviously, and there's like right. you know some tension and resolution and things, but it's very you get to know Elsie, right? Yeah, Dolores yes, Extract Number One. Yes, slash. she names herself Elsie, which is yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And it's this whole book about agency and identity, and and it's really it is really smart, but without feeling like you're dumb, it's, right? And it's trying too hard to be yeah, smart. Exactly. I mean, it's, no, it's just, just kind of like a smart thing that you talk about. Yeah. So so this stuck out to me. So Morrow never explained about the science. Of how the MEMS mm-hmm. were extracted. Right. Like, how is it that extracting a memory becomes creates a, whole a whole other... Right. creates a whole other human being. Not explained. And it's not a human. That's the weird thing. Like... Right. Not it's a like human this being. weird identity. But it is a it is a body. Yeah. It is a... It creates what you would recognize as a human body. Yeah. Like a replica, but that only replays... replays. Right. Yeah. But and how? And, right. And they generally don't live long mm-hmm. they generally expire so um it but they don't explain that mm-hmm. oh and then there's like one little blip where they say what like they expire and then they're harvested for organs and things like that um like that how that can happen. weird right which i was like wait, wait a minute so like that's your a- organs just re I don't Generate? know. That's a whole other. Mm-hmm. T- I hope I didn't read that part wrong. But then I was like, "That's a whole other. 
That reminded me of Unwind by Neil Schusterman. Oh, right. Yeah, Neil Schuster? Neil Schusterman. Schusterman. Um, but I was like, well, that's a whole other place that she could have explored yeah. that she didn't go off into because what it, that's like, aside from the ethical concerns of like extracting a memory and uh-huh. then having these beings living in a quote unquote living. Yeah. Um, which is just this whole fascinating ethical conversation mm-hmm. in and of itself. Then that piece of it too, where. Yeah. Um, I didn't catch that. So that's. Right. And the mems are the property. Mems are property of the source. The source. Of mm-hmm. where they, they, they took the memories from until and, and if that the source Somehow, if the source passes before the memories expire, the memories expire, they become property of the state. It sounded like, but but they also can be willed mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. So mostly, it's bad memories that are like predominantly it's yeah. bad memories that are extracted. That are extracted. And so these people looking like things are walking around experiencing just. The traumatic moment, like if you think about just like a traumatic moment in your life and like you get to take it out. So you forget it. But like there's this lookalike thing that looks just like you Mm -hmm. who just relives that horror over and over again. Right. And like what would it be like to be surrounded by just these thing, people, things that are like suffering Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah, because there are people who work there Mm -hmm. in the vault I know, and I like the vault, like, language, because, like, so they're in a vault, and then, like, the scientists are called bankers, Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's nurses, which is not a banking term, but but they talk about, like, they they just use a lot of, like, banking terminology, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting to think about, like, a part of you as being property and, like, putting it in, like, a savings account. It's just odd. The whole thing is really cool. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me that the decision was made. I mean, it, they don't really explain that either. The decision was made to, like, why? Like, why was the decision made for the memories to then be allowed to exist? Yeah. After, like, why don't they just put them down? Right. And I guess that does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if, like, it does sound like some people take their, they get them extracted and then take them with them and the, they, those Mems meet horrible ends and yes, things like that. Really so yeah, it was very, it was bizarre. Um, I liked that they, like you said, I like that they focused on the emotional aspect of what, you know, it's a study on like what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my, I like, you know, I wanted to know more about the science fiction and more about the ethical considerations and more about, like, I I would have read this if it was three times as long uh-huh. with, like, yeah. all of that detail in it. But I liked also just that this was stripped down to the essence of, mm-hmm. like, what makes you human. So, I mean, my takeaway was it's the hard things that make you human, but not just the hard things the ability to to walk through the hard right. things so and come out the other side without giving too much yeah, away I'm, af- like, I'm afraid to say too much cuz i don't want to give away well why delore like why lc slash dolores extract number 1 is still alive well it's more just like if you the more if you think about it like what happens to the body when those memories are extracted cuz that that and everything that has to do with that memory is just removed from you and so what's what happens to your brain when that happens right that's kind of what she's exploring right in there um yeah because there's there's some exploration of like what happens to the source like mm -hmm. yeah exactly because this dolores had a lot of mems created and not necessarily right like dolores couldn't by her choosing right could not handle Mm-hmm. Or it was assumed that Dolores couldn't handle these right. traumatic things. And so just mem, they just kept creating mems. And mm-hmm. so there was all that sort of ethical consideration about like what happens because they found, they were, they began to find out that things, so much. Right, things might happen to you if you've been 
Overmemmed. Over extracted. Yes, if you've been over extracted. So anyway, it was it was a great read. I'm like, so I, glad. I, I thought it was really good. And I liked how um it became clear. Like it was cl- that's what like gave me this sense of like what's happening? Because it became clear that Elsie or Dolores mm-hmm. is black. Mm-hmm. At like pretty early on, yeah. Like it's just a little, color. just describe, yeah, skin mm-hmm. color, whatever. And but race doesn't figure in at all. That's what I freaking loved. Like there was not, it was just not a thing. It's like just, she just it, is right. And it mentioned it mentioned the skin color really because it had to do with a sort of a plot. There's a right, point. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, can I read this? Yeah. Because this doesn't I, give away anything. No, but then, you know, she writes at the end, she writes really a great thing about that at the end. Is that what you're going to read? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'll kind of skip around, but this is in the author's note. Um, also, so Bethany C. Morrow, um, this is her debut, and uh, she just looks awesome. So I picked it up and was like, this cover is awesome. And then I flipped to the back and I was like, oh, sweet. This is a debut novel by a black woman in speculative fiction dun 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 mm-hmm. and uh but she also just looks like someone i would want to hang out with. She's, she's real i know um so anyway uh okay I like so her, i like her shirt i know and her glasses <laughs> anyway so it says one aspect of montreal and indeed canadian history that i intend intentionally omitted is the reality of racism that was and is present i refuse to be beholden to its ugliness stifling elsie's existence even further by dealing with the accuracy of how her blackness would have been treated whether her family's wealth would have allowed her entry into a social elite and uh, i'm going to skip some of these because of the spoilers um I am painfully aware of the constant and seemingly universal accepted misinformation about Canadian history. I don't think of Canada. Canada. (laughs) I do actually call it Canada on the regular. So thank you for doing that. Canada to me. I do it on purpose. You don't think about Canadians racism. Canadians. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? No. Well, I, I mean, I do more because, but I think. For like, I have some friends who live there, so we talk about yes, communities. A lot more, there's a lot. Right, there's yeah. a lot more discussion about racism with, within indigenous communities, mm-hmm. but I think it's glossed over. But she says, um, "Oh, it is ahistorical to claim any lack of slavery, seg- segregation, oppression, or marginalization occurred or persists in Canada. Um, it has been the work of many Black Canadian academics and activists to provide factual rebuttals and accurate representations." Um, I am including this note because I cannot in good conscience uh, contribute in any way to this lie. Racism is absent from Mem, not because it did not exist, but because I decided it wouldn't for Elsie. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Right. Because she was like, you know what? Screw you. I can speculate my speculative Mm -hmm. fiction however I want to speculate it. Yeah. And that brings up uh, another thing in speculative fiction where like – there's the argument of like, oh, well, there's no racial diversity because that's just not mm-hmm. like realistic. And it's like, but there's aliens. Right. So, yeah, I think I love that she takes that kind of mm-hmm. stupid argument from white men right. and like flips it. And it's like, well, right. yeah, right. This is just and, not going to exist in and, my world. And at the same time, make sure to acknowledge like so that no one leaves this well, I guess if you don't read the author's note but like no mm-hmm. one leaves this book thinking oh racism didn't yeah exactly exist. you know oh, what I mean like, very pleasant yeah right, you're like no I love a good author's note either I do too man I read I always read the author's mm-hmm. notes at the end yeah acknowledgments I do sometimes it's read, important to me I know me too but she also then in case anybody's interested does uh do some uh book recommendations for um for nonfiction on slavery and racism in Canada. So I just thought that was excellent work. Um, yeah, it's that this, this book is going to stay with me a long time, mm-hmm. I think, cause I'm going to continue to think about some things we can't talk about right now mm-hmm. because I don't want to spoil Spoilsies. the book for you, mm-hmm. but there are, I like, I'm glad how it ended. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It is a little ambiguous to me. Yep. Don't talk about I it. I won't, but this would be a good book club book because of the ambiguity and because of the lack of like scientific details, so you could sort of speculate that with your group. Mm-hmm. All right, done. Book yeah, you're book. right. That would, this would be a great book club book. 
Well, yeah. look, it's too bad one of us doesn't have power to buy book club <laughs> bags. We both do. <laughs> Sold. Yes. Getting it. So I, yeah, no, I think, I think there, there's a lot to talk about here with just the, I mean, just the concepts of what makes a, what makes a human yeah. a human, what makes, what makes us, what makes life worth living, mm-hmm. what, what good comes from trauma, right. if anything, and like what the different kinds of trauma can lead to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely, I don't want to say that this is making an argument of like, you know, whatever horrible things you go through, you should still suffer them because it's, there's a reason. But there is just, this book I think dives into interesting ways right. in which it is a more complex issue. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be like a, you suffered because you were meant to suffer. Right. Whatever. That's a and side I, note. Right. And I think, and I, and also interesting concepts of autonomy. Like mm-hmm. when it becomes, when it becomes very clear mm-hmm. that Elsie, because that's a bit, that's a big p- plot point of the book is that Elsie was famous for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe just lived in obscurity or whatever for the rest. But I mean, she was, had her moment in the sun mm-hmm. Because she was sentient. Because she was sentient. Mm-hmm. She like was starting to create her own memories. Um and so right, like so you do you can be reading along and then all of a sudden you're just staring off in the yeah, corner of exactly. the room going like so Dolores Wait, I know. is living Dolores's life. Uh-huh. And, and Elsie has lived Elsie's life but all of Dolores' life. Mm-hmm, right. And then now Elsie's life. It's like the split I was like sliding doors. Yeah. A little bit. Or alternate universities yeah. sort of things, where but in you, the same. Right, where they live all, they're all, they live together up until a point. Off. And then, yeah, and then you split off. Well, which I think the mems, the other mems don't have all of the, but no. who knows though? Who knows though? Because they're not really able to communicate. Yeah. Because at one point she says, I'm not the only unique one, mm-hmm. I think. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying no. that. But it also not to give anything away, but the this is such like a I want to say like a feminist awakening sort of book. Like it's such a it's a it's a big like finding the power within your own self right. sort of book mm-hmm. without giving much away. But uh yeah. it also it hasn't gotten a whole lot of hype like um are hyping it. We here we go. Hype, 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 stop it. Oh, we, no, we're gonna, gonna get kicked it. out. All right. Uh, yeah. So I would say I think I think we've discussed as much as we can without giving things away. Yes. And because it kind of there is a lot of ambiguity. Um, I don't wanna I don't wanna say anymore. But I think right. anybody who wants to read it. Should do so. Oh, I yes, I I really really recommend this for people. I recommend it for yeah, and I you know I'm not a I'm not a regular sci-fi reader, but I really really liked this book, Mm -hmm. and I think this is a I think this would have very wide appeal. Yeah, I mean I think so. It hits character. I think language wise, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. You know, setting you can. I felt like it could be a movie. A lot of the descriptions of like the theater and things like that. Oh, I think if I think this would totally be made into a movie. Good, let's make that happen. I hope they wouldn't ruin it. And then plot. I think it's a four doorway. Yeah, it's a brief but four doorway. Yep. Book. Okay, so this Bam. is Kate and Polly giving two thumbs up. Four total. Four total thumbs up, <laughs> and also and the thumbs of all of our mems. <laughs> Way Up <laughs> yep. for Mem by Bethany C. Morrow. Yes. All right. So we can't always be reading. I haven't thought of anything for this yet. What are you doing? <laughs> so um, I said, I wish I knew. <laughs> that was my that was my thoughts when I was thinking about we can't always be reading. So, but then my thoughts, then, then, then I thought thoughts. about this. Mm-hmm. Eating cake. Good. I think I'm going to eat cake. What kind? Someone in my family made a German chocolate cake <gasps> last night. 
and I was reading. Which, is it a kid or a spouse? Uh, it was my youngest child. Oh, nice. Made it. Um, and I was reading, and I did not come downstairs, and then it was too late for me to have a piece of cake, because then I would have unquiet dreams mm-hmm. and uncomfortable sleep. So... But I am having it when I go home for lunch today. My stomach just rumbled. Um, and so uh, that makes me think of my belly, putting some cake in there. And so then I said, I think I was going to sign. I have been thinking about signing up for belly dancing. I've thought about it for the 25 years that I've lived here. Yeah. I would I like think to do it's that. Been, okay. I think. Do we get to wear the jingle jangles? I think eventually you do get to wear the jingle Do you have to like work up to it kind of like a black belt? You probably do have to okay. work like up to it. Like one the bell jangles. to start. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I have one sequin hanging <laughs> there really sadly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I'm just like, I'm very interested in um, like adding. So I'm just, you know, doing my regular workout, mm-hmm. but I want to add some like other fun movement, fun. Yeah. Movement in because some like, I just need to mix it up. Like I'm part of me is like a creature of habit and I'm like, just do the same workout every day. Cause it works. Da, mm-hmm, da, da. Mm-hmm. And then, and then another part of me is like, but, but I love dancing. So mm-hmm. I got invited to go do some country. Um, oh, I went to a swing, swing dance, a swing uh-huh. dance not too long ago with, uh, my friend, Greg Windsor librarian, mm-hmm. um, from Johnson County and he and his wife, um, swing dance. And so they had me come up for this swing dance That's in Kansas awesome. City. That was so fun. My face hurt from smiling so much. Aww. And then my friend's son does country, like two-step and oh, line dancing. Really? Mm-hmm. And I just got, I got invited to like a lesson for that. Oh, cool. That, that was in really town? fun. Um, he's not, he doesn't go to this college. He goes to the other college. So, um, <laughs> the purple college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, He's adorable, and he's was it was incredible watching this kid that you've known forever, Aww, like just be like a... be so awesome. Um, and he he swung he did me around for a dance, what? like yeah. So because um, I'm married to a non dancer, uh-huh. so I I will still keep him, but I love dancing so much. So I was like, will you take me around? He was like, yes. Oh. He was like, oh, you know what you're doing. And I was like, no, that's how good you are. That's amazing. You're just, I mean, I kind of know, but like, if you have a good. So you're good with being led? I am. I am. As you might imagine, I'm not. I know. I am. I am. And I I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter who, if it's a good leader, it doesn't matter who Mm -hmm. that person is. Like, I will, I love it. That's awesome. So I would love to learn how to do some, maybe I'll sign up for other dancing, maybe some salsa dancing. It's going to be the year of the dance. The year of the dance. (laughs) And then I was thinking about digging out my NaNoWriMo novel Mm -hmm. so I can finish it by my birthday because my sister keeps telling me I need to do that. (laughs) And also walking Gunther. I've been walking him. Um, even though it's been just too hot. I know. But he gets get the he gets the zoomies at night. Yeah. If he doesn't get a walk. Oh, so. dogs with the zoomies. <laughs> so cute. He gets the zoomies and it's he's just too big to have the zoomies uh-huh. inside the house. His head's enormous. Yeah. And you just you bruise your legs up with his tail. Yeah. So anyway, all of those things. Oh, that sounds nice. Are all on my non reading lists. Good. My dog gets the zoomies. Once in a great while, usually before or after a real good poop. I think it's like, and I had a cat that did this too. Like would (laughs) go nuts and then be like, that's how you build it up to let it out. Or it's like a pride thing afterward. And so it's usually in the mornings before or after. Once in a great while. And it just makes my day because she's so slow and lazy and sad. And then so this one time she like looks like a dog. Um, it's really sweet. <laughs> um, the zoomies. the zoomies. It's like, and also looking up really good dog zoomies videos is a really nice way to make yourself feel better. <laughs> it is. Just look up zoomies. Yeah. Look up, yeah. <laughs> dog zoomies. Dog zoomies. Um, also, what else? Oh yeah. So last weekend I went to Holyfield Winery, um, Aww. in Baser, mm-hmm. I believe. And, uh, my friend Ruby, who I love, uh, we went out there and her son, um, and his partner live, um, like right down the street from, oh, nice. yeah. And I had never been, um, and we saw the Crumpletons who do a lot of covers of, uh, 
good stuff. I think we knew most of the words to all the stuff, which oh, is what I well, like in a fun. winery cover band. looking for the Carpletons. So. Yeah, they uh, they play in Lawrence a lot. It's my first time seeing them. Um, but her voice, the woman, the female singer, her voice is just awesome. I'll see if I can try to find a video. Um, We're going to have to add dog zoomy videos. Dog zoomies and the Carpletons in my brain. Okay. Dog zoomies. <laughs> Not in my brain. On a piece of paper like a mere mortal. Crumps. All right. Yes. Like, but so they do this series where they have different, um, different bands. I'm guessing uh, each Friday night in the summer. This was the last one. Oh, so okay. sorry, guys. So next summer. Yeah, you... but it's really neat because you could get there. Like the music starts at like six thirty, but people get there early as like five thirty, and they stake out a place, hmm. and then they bring their snacks and all their stuff, and there's, like, you know, obviously there's wine there, there's a food truck, um, but you can sit, like, among the grapes. So, like, in the... I've been like, to Holyfield, so, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And I used to, um, in Southern Illinois, maybe I've said this a million times, but we... Like, it was very hilly there. I'm doing a lot of hill motions with my arm. <laughs> um, and it's in, like, the, uh, the Shawnee National Forest. Mm -hmm. Very hilly here. And uh, Oh, that's a big hill. <laughs> big hill. <laughs> and there was tons of wineries. And it was all, like, really crappy sweet mid Midwestern wine. So that's what I, like, grew up on as a drinking adult. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've missed, I've missed getting crappy sweet wine at wineries amongst people who... Uh, dance and fall over. I've, it's been it's been a while, so it was really nice. Oh, yeah. So anybody wants to go to a winery and dance and fall over, let me know. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's most dogs and wine. Dogs and wine. Those will be what I'm that talking about. Is oh, I know it's a good life. Sorry about that microphone. <laughs> that's Sorry, a, that is a good life, and that's mm -hmm. a really good. That also could be have been the my what I'm doing. Yeah, dogs and wine. Dogs but, and wine. Um, different dog, different wines, different probably dog, different better wines. I don't know. I see. I don't. I don't. I. I wouldn't say crappy. I would say. I mean, wine is what you what, like. Make of it. <laughs> wine is yeah. what you. Grapes are what you make of it, and I make wine. Uh, yes, that's what I think. But right. it's like. It's I mean, like, it's. I think it's. I. I want to apply the same. The, right. I want to apply the same metrics. To, books, to books and wine alike. Like, if you like it, it's not bad. True. Maybe, yes. I'm not even going to make any comparisons right if now. If you like it, it's not bad. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go out on that note. If you like it, it's not bad. But if everybody else hates it, <laughs> then at least you get to drink all of the bottle. <laughs> yeah. And you can't. And you get to read. You get to read all the books. You get to read, yeah. The book's yeah. there for you to check out whenever you want. Because yeah. no one else is reading. Doesn't matter. Let's go out on that note. Okay. Happy drinking. If you like it. <laughs> It's not bad. Yes. Happy drinking. Happy drinking. And happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website, lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Jim Barnes, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.